I've been doing this for almost 21 years. It'll be 21 years in May. Hard to believe uh, that God has let me do this this long. Um, but I tell you what, I have met some wonderful people in 21 years. Wonderful people who do wonderful things for others. And it's amazing. Uh, I can tell you story after story after story of people who are just love people and, and has been, have shown kindness to people. Uh, I know people who go out and they, uh, they'll go buy a, a bag of groceries or several bags of groceries and just say, Sean, uh, if you know somebody who needs these, just give them to them. I'm like, I could use those, but, uh, but I'll give them away. People who go out and buy gas cards, they'll, they'll buy uh, three or four gas cards and they'll give them to me. I say, Sean, you know, give these to someone who needs them. Just out of the kindness of their hearts. Because of the faith they have in Jesus Christ, it motivates them to love. I, I know people who uh, use their talents and abilities for free to help other people who need it. Whether it's fixing a car, fixing a sink, people I know who, and they don't want any fanfare, they don't want any applause, they don't ask for any kind of uh, uh, reimbursement. They just do it out of the kindness of their hearts. Uh, I know people who go on mission trips around the world, and they go to places where most of us, we've never even heard of, or most of us wouldn't want to go because they're scary places, and yet they go on these mission trips to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ and how he loves us so much. And they go halfway around the world on their own dime. And again, they don't make a big deal about it. They don't, they don't demand attention. They don't ask for a plaque to be put up on the wall. They just do it because they love Jesus and because Jesus loves them. You know, we all probably have a story of someone who was kind to us or we have a story where somebody was nice to us. We have a story where somebody helped us in a time of need, a, a brother and sister in Christ came to us and said, hey, let me help you out. Uh, I can either, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about, you know, some good news or I'll, I'll encourage you or I'll provide for this need. You know, it's just people are kind. People can be really, really kind. And, and, and I think there needs to be more kindness in this world and there needs to be more love in this world. And today the passage we're going to talk about from Galatians chapter 5 has a lot to do with that and how we respond to our faith in Jesus with love. And so we've been talking about the book of Galatians here on Sunday mornings for the past several weeks. Uh, and this is a book, it's a letter that was written by Paul, who was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was an apostle. He was sent by God uh, to, with a very specific message of grace to a very specific people, the Gentiles. And so Paul was sent to the Gentiles to tell them about the good news of God's grace. And there were some people in the area that we're studying, uh, in the region of Galatia. Galatia is what is modern-day Turkey. And these people in Galatia were being told by a, a select group of people, a small group of people, that they needed to become Jews before they could become Christians. They needed to be, become a Jew outwardly before they could become a, a Christian. They had to undergo the sign of circumcision, which was the sign between God and his people, the Jews, and the, the people of Galatia had to become circumcised before they could become Christians. And Paul says, no, that's not true, that we believe in good news of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that we are saved, we are forgiven by God's grace through faith in Jesus, that when we believe in Jesus, 
we repent from our sins, confess our faith, and get baptized, God washes away our sins, and he forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And the only way that we can receive this gift is by grace through faith. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, can't be good enough for it. And uh, we have this gift from Jesus of grace. And so Paul was arguing to the Galatians that they needed to trust in Jesus for salvation and forgiveness, not in following the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses is uh, the first five books of the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments. There's actually 613 laws uh, in, in the Jewish faith. 613 laws. And Paul says you don't have to follow, you can't be saved by following any of those laws. You can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And so that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, last eight weeks or so. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it today. And we talk about how Jesus frees us to love. If you brought a Bible, great, or if you're watching online, uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. That's where we'll be today. We've got a few weeks left in this study uh, before we get to Easter. Easter's coming up. We've got a, a bunch of exciting things happening for Easter this year. We've got our Easter extravaganza on March Saturday, March 24th from 9.30 to noon. Uh, that's a great program that we do for kids, and we tell them the real meaning of Easter as well as we have an Easter egg hunt and an, act, and an activity. It's a lot of fun. That's on uh, March 24th. And then March 17th, we start our new Saturday night service. I hope you're excited about Saturday nights. Uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to invite your friends who may not come on a Sunday morning or who can't come on a Sunday morning. Invite them to come on Saturday nights. That starts March 17th at 5.30 p.m. And then Easter weekend, we've got four services for Easter this year. Uh, 4 o'clock and 5.30 on Saturday, 9.30 and 11 on Sunday morning. And So you'll want to invite somebody to come and join us for Easter this year. Uh, as we celebrate how Easter is for everyone. But for today, we're in Galatians 5. I said, if you brought a Bible, turn there to Ephesians, uh, Galatians 5, 1 through 15. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 825. Uh, or you can follow along with the words on the screen or on your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. So let's look at Galatians 5. We're going to take this in three pieces. Uh, first, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, before we go any further, those words, for freedom, that phrase, for freedom, was a phrase used in ancient times to describe how uh, a slave was bought out of slavery and into freedom. So this phrase, what they would do, a slave would save up his money and give it to the local pagan temple, and the priests at the temple would buy him out of slavery, and then he would become property of the little g god of that temple. In other words, no human being could lay hold to him or have a claim on him. He was now set free from slavery. And what Paul is saying is it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, you can't buy yourself out of slavery to sin. You can't buy yourself out of slavery to the law. You can't buy yourself out of the slavery to, to sin's consequences. Christ has set us free by his blood. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And what he's talking about is slavery to uh, rule-based religion. Okay? Uh, rule-based salvation. Rule-based forgiveness. Verse 2. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. That if you follow one law, then you've got to follow them all. 
If you think you can be saved by following one rule or one law, whether it's honor your father and mother, do not steal, do not lie. If you think, oh, I'm a good person because I don't lie. Well, congratulations, but that's not going to save you. And he says, if you think you can be saved by following one law, this law of circumcision, then you are bound to the whole law. You better keep them all. And we all know better than that, right? None of us can keep them all, especially 613. He says, you, verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, that's a scary proposition. Fallen away from grace. The, word for, uh, the ancient Greek word for fallen away uh, is an, it's a nautical term that describes uh, veering off course, like a, when a ship goes off course. It's lost its way. Now, the good news is, is that through a course correction, it can return and, and make it to where its destination lies. And so it's not that you've fallen away from grace and are lost and condemned forever. Uh, it just means that you've lost your way, but through a course correction, you can find your way back to where you need to be. He says, if you have... Uh, if you are trying to be justified by the law, you have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And then one of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament is this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. Let's keep going. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Verses 7 through 12. He says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Now that word to cut in on, uh, think of it as you're driving in traffic down 8094 and somebody cuts you off. And I'm, if you're like me, the first words out of your mouth are not, Praise the Lord. Closer to, what's the matter with you? In no uncertain terms. But that's what this idea is of who cut in on you. It's like when somebody cuts you off in traffic. He's talking about a race, like a marathon. And, and, and if you're running and somebody jumps in front of you and starts to impede your progress, they've cut in on you. And they're impeding your progress. And he's saying that the Judaizers had cut in on them and were impeding their progress. Uh, the actual term was a military term where a, a city uh, would uh, chop up the road uh, where an army. So if an army was advancing on their city, they would come and they would break up the road and they would chop up the road to keep them from making progress, to slow down their progress. And he's saying these Judaizers were impeding the progress, the faith progress of the Galatians. You were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. Notice, Paul says that we... Just because we are free and we are free from the law, it doesn't mean that we are uh, free to disobey. There is still obedience that, has, that is to be had, and that is obeying the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, that's Jesus. He says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So he's talking about there's a, a small group of people, there's just a, a limited group of people who are cutting in on the Galatians, impeding their progress as far as their spiritual journey is concerned, and they are working their way through the entire congregation. He says, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. So there is judgment coming 
for the person who is causing uh, the, the Galatians to be thrown into confusion. He says, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, I'm not preaching this. Somebody else is. In, the, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now, Paul must be really angry, really frustrated, completely ticked off because he says, I wish these guys who are doing this wouldn't just circumcise themselves. I wish they would castrate themselves, which is just, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I mean, that's just cruel. That's not nice. But Paul is so upset, and, the, and what's at stake is so important that salvation, like true salvation through Jesus Christ, is so important that he wishes that they would castrate themselves, emasculate themselves, instead of keeping to preach the, the, the circumcision-based salvation that they were preaching. Paul is that upset. He is that frustrated, and this is that important. Let's look at the last part there, verses 13 through 15. It says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Notice, he says that you are not free to indulge your sinful nature. That just because you are free from the law and free from the law of Moses doesn't mean that you are free to sin. Instead, he says, we should serve one another in love. And this is great because he's talking about freedom from slavery, right? You are no longer slaves to sin. You are no longer slaves to uh, the law. Instead, serve one another in love. The, the ancient Greek word there for serve is a word that literally means become a slave. You should, in love, become a slave to one another. Not a slave to the law, not a slave to sin, but a slave to one another. We should serve one another in what? In love. There's that word again, love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. And what he says, he's, he's quoting the Old Testament, Leviticus, and Jesus quoted the same passage. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the person who asked Jesus that question said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus basically told them, everybody. Everybody is your neighbor. Look around the room. Neighbors, all of us, neighbors. Your neighbor next door to you is your neighbor. Duh. But your neighbor's your neighbor. Your coworker, neighbor. Your uh, family is also your neighbor. So who should you love as yourself? Your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. That means like your spouse or your significant other is your neighbor. Huh? That's true. Your spouse or your significant other is your neighbor. Your children are your neighbors. Teenagers, your parents are your neighbors. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Grandparents, your grandkids are your neighbors. Now, I know that's not hard to do, right? Love your grandkids. I've always, often heard it said that, you know, if I knew grandkids were this much fun, I would have had them first. Um, but your grandkids are your neighbors. Not hard to love. Guess what? So is your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law. Oh, yeah. They're your neighbors too. 
And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So everybody in your sphere of influence, your enemy is your neighbor. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And the people that you don't want to love are the people you need to love most. The people you don't want to love are the people who need love most. And they need your love. They need you to love your neighbor as yourself. So what does this look like? To, to serve one another in love. To have faith expressed through love. What does this look like for us? Well, if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, I want you to hear me out. You may be thinking, you know what, this doesn't apply to me because I don't believe in Jesus. I want you to know that's okay. It's okay for right now that you don't believe in Jesus. We're glad you're here. And I want you to know, like I said earlier, this is a safe place. That you can come here with your questions. You can come here with your doubts. You can come here seeking truth or seeking faith. And you're going to find it here. And I believe this. If you are seeking truth, then you're going to find Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you earnestly and honestly seek truth, you will find Jesus. Because he is the truth. Now, so if you're here and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I buy all this God stuff. I don't know if I buy all this Jesus stuff. It's okay. Keep coming. But I'm here to tell you this. That if you will put this one principle into, into practice, you will have a better life. If you will love your neighbor as yourself, you will have a better life. Who doesn't want more love in the world? Think about everything that's going on in our world. The violence, shootings. We need more love in the world, folks. Division. I mean, how divided is our country right now? We need more love in the world, folks. I mean, we need more love. And if we, if you in this room, if we will do this, if we will love our neighbors ourselves, if we will bring more love into this world, we can change the world. And we can make a positive impact and a positive difference in our world if we will just follow this one simple command to love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said, you don't have to be a Christian to do this. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ to do this. All you got to do is just love your neighbor as yourself. And so again, what does this mean for you? It means love your coworker as you love yourself. Could your... How many of you think that your office or your workplace could use more love? Right? Lots of you. If, you're, if your office or if, if your workspace needs more love, do it. Love your neighbor, love your coworker as you love, love your boss as you love yourself. Now, wait a minute, Sean. Okay, all right. You had me there. You had me until, oh, you lost me. You lost me. No, seriously. Love your boss as you love yourself. Love the people that you manage as you love yourself. Love the people who are under you as you love yourself. How about your home? How about your house? Does your house need more love? Bring it. Bring love into your house. Love your spouse or your significant other as you love yourself. Love them unconditionally. That's what this kind of love is. This is agape love. It is an unconditional, unselfish, unlimited kind of love. That's the kind of love we need to bring into the world. That's the kind of love we need to bring into our houses. If you will love your spouse as you love yourself, you'll love your significant other as you love yourself, your relationship will improve. It will get better. Try it. Love your kids 
as you love yourself. Don't see them as your minions to do your bidding. Right? They're people. And they are your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your kids. Unconditionally, unselfishly, in an unlimited kind of way. Don't put conditions on the love that you have for your children. Oh, if you get good grades, I'll love you. No. That's conditional love. We're called to love unconditionally. You know, like I said earlier, grandparents, love your grandkids and love your son-in-law, love your daughter-in-law as your neighbor, as you love yourself. Love them in that unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of way. Your annoying neighbor, love them. I'm the annoying neighbor, by the way, and so we need love. Annoying neighbors need love. So love us in an unlimited, unselfish, unconditional kind of way. And that, and I can tell, like I said, even if you don't believe in Jesus yet, if you will bring more love into your life, if you will love your neighbors, you love yourself, you will have a better life. I promise. Now, for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, what about us? Well, a we have to love our neighbors or love our, as we love ourselves, but our motivation is a little bit different. We don't just want a better life. We want to go back to verse 6, where the only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. And our faith in Christ should motivate us to love everyone. Our faith in Jesus Christ should be the motivation to love everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. People who look differently than you, you know, I mean, it, it, color of skin, gender, people who look differently, age, you know, whether you are, uh, you know, generations apart or in the same generation. And we got a wide variety of people who come to church here. And every single one of them needs, we all have this in common, we all need love. Every single one of us needs to be loved. So whether you're old or young, no matter what you look like, red, yellow, black, white, brown, no matter the color of your hair, or if you have hair at all. No matter if you're tall or short, skinny or more round. We all need love. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our faith should motivate us to love everyone. Whether they look differently than you, act differently than you, sin differently than you. We should love everybody. Everyone. And it's not just a suggestion. It's a command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So our faith in Christ should motivate us to love everyone. Because the only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. The only thing that counts. Notice, Paul says, what counts? The only thing that counts is faith expressed through what? Love. The only thing that counts. Right theology and right doctrine doesn't count. If you don't have faith expressed through love, that doesn't count. You can believe all the right things, but if it doesn't express itself in love, you can believe all the right things, but if it doesn't manifest itself in love, you can have the right theology, you can read all the textbooks, you can, uh, yes, yeah, you can stand firm uh, on, on your beliefs, but if your beliefs don't motivate you to love, it doesn't count. The only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. So how are you doing that? How, are you, how is your faith being expressed through love? 
So maybe you mow a neighbor's lawn. You got a, a, a shut-in for a neighbor who can't mow his or her lawn. Maybe you mow their lawn for no other reason other than the fact that your faith is going to be expressed through love. Or maybe you're like one of those folks who goes out and buys a bag of groceries or a gift card for somebody in need. Says, I, 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 I got to help somebody. Because your faith is going to be expressed through love. Maybe it's teenagers. Maybe it's helping your little brother or little sister clean their room. Because your faith in Jesus Christ is going to be expressed through love. Or maybe you're going to tutor a kid at school who needs help in the classroom. Because your faith in Jesus Christ is going to be expressed through love. Or maybe it's at work. Maybe you've got a co-worker who needs to be served. We're going to serve other people in love because our faith is going to be expressed through love. So maybe you've got to serve somebody. Or maybe you've got to do a better job of loving someone in the name of Jesus Christ. So who can you love this week? Who can you serve this week? How can your faith be expressed through love this week? Who can you reach out to? Maybe it's just a phone call to someone who's lonely. Or, or maybe it's a, a, a note to someone who needs uh, encouragement. A text message or, a, or an email. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. How will your faith express itself through love this week? Because when we do that, when we uh, reach out with love, we can change the world. Our vision here is to reach 1% of the unreached people of the Griffith Highland area. But if we won't love people, we won't reach people. If we won't love people, we won't reach people. Because love reaches people. Love changes lives. Love changes everything. And Jesus is the one who can change everything. Because Jesus frees us to love.